0: This is Novel Marketing. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr.
1: I'm James L. Rubart.
0: I'm James Scott Bell. And this is the show for novelists who hate marketing but still want to become best-selling authors.
1: This episode, we're going to be talking about book rollouts versus book launches. And we're going to be talking to James Scott Bell who I first met back in 2006 and has become a great friend. And if you don't know his writing, tremendous, tremendous writer, but also a guy that understands marketing and really analyzes it from the standpoint of, we love this, what works. So we're going <laughs> to dive
0: into this. We're big fans of what we works. Are, right we here. are. We are He's also the father of zombie <laughs> legal thrillers. Is that
2: correct? That's true. That's huh? true. I invented the genre. Yeah. That's why I put it out under a pseudonym.
0: But, <laughs> oh, yes, sorry. I invented We've outed you here. Yeah, there, there you, you go. Travel right. marketing.
1: And James also blogs at uh, the Killzone, which w- is just a great blog. Uh, not not only James does it, but he has, I want to say it, six other authors? Right. And uh, Well, more than that now.
2: And we also just received the nod of approval from Writer's Digest magazine oh, nice. as one of their top 101 websites for writers. So, killzoneauthors.blogspot.com.
0: So, Jim, what is a book rollout, and how is it different from a book launch?
2: Well, I think the idea of a book launch comes from the traditional book marketing world, where the idea is that you build up everything into this one big, like a rocket launch. Uh, Everything is focused on that, that big first impression, and, you know, you get the books into the stores, and you do all the advertising and so forth, and you have a launch party, and you do all of these things.
0: And it's very bestseller list centric.
2: Exactly. You want to get velocity very quickly. But I think in the, in the days now that we're in of, you know, independent publishing and getting a foothold in the digital world, that the rollout idea where you are doing a consistent... Plan over the course of days or even weeks of different kinds of publicity, different kinds of of marketing, it it creates a, a trajectory that is steadier and doesn't have the spikes of real high and then going back to real low. There is something to the Amazon ranking, for example, that favors a good steady
0: growth in sales and and makes a kind of a sticky effect for the book so in a sense you're optimizing for a different list so the bestsellers, uh, new york times bestseller list only looks at that week sure and so the whole point of getting to that list is you have to get a lot of sales in a one-week period right. whereas the amazon list looks at more of an aggregate of the last several months or more depending on the algorithm, right. and so it's kind of a retooling as to which list is the more important list.
2: Sure, and uh, it, you know, it, it, being on the New York Times bestseller list or any bestseller list like that is obviously a good thing, yeah. but for writers who are just trying to get a foothold in the industry and make a name for themselves, you got to think long term, and if you were to have a spike in sales, let's say, and then it went down the following week and didn't, rise up again, that doesn't serve your long-term purpose as much as a steady increase of readership that kind of elevates the book over a long period of time. So that's a strategy.
0: So, so walk us through how you've done that with a recent book that you've put out. Um, how did you promote it? What did you try? Because one of the things I like about it is that it allows you to experiment. Sure. So you try something on week one, and you get to see the results, and you try something different on week two. Whereas a big launch, you're doing 12 things all at once, and it can be hard to figure out which of those 12 things are moving the dial. Right. What I did with
2: a book that I just put out, which is called Write Your Novel from the Middle – which is a, a, a unique approach to writing that I kind of came up with and people have found very um, helpful, is I first, I planned to announce it. Make I always make the big announcement on my blog. So I'll, I blog on Sundays, that's my column, and if I have a book coming out, I will dedicate the blog to why I wrote it and what it does and so on. But I always have the book listed ready to go a few days before on Amazon and the other online stores. And what happened this time was the book went live on a Friday, and I was, going, I was waiting for it to talk about it on the blog, and somehow people discovered it very quickly and started tweeting about it. So on mm-hmm. Twitter, it that's the, that's the best kind of marketing, the, market, the, the sort of viral stuff you can't control. Right. But uh, I, then imme- I then immediately sent a, uh, an email to my reader list. So that, that, those two things in tandem, the blog post and the reader list are the two big things I do first. And then the following day it was concentrating on Twitter, and then it was Facebook, and then I contacted two very well-regarded writing blogs that have a good following, and then I did interviews for those blogs. And that's really, that, that was spaced out over
0: about a week and a half. Okay. So that's still pretty focused at the beginning. Yes. Now, I know some authors are using tools like BookBub. To get a to get a spike and then try to sustain that momentum. So tell us a little bit about that. That's
2: and then that's the ongoing part is that these lists that like BookBub or Book Gorilla or Ebook Soda. These several of those subscriber lists where people subscribe and they get an email every day for book deals that are of so it's interest. It's kind of like
0: Groupon for book book sure. specials.
2: Yeah, uh, are that should be a major part of any. Book marketing from now on, I think, because all the big New York Times bestseller sellers are doing it, and the the, the big publishers are doing it. It's just it's a very cost effective way to gain new readers, and that's especially what the new writers need. They need to build a readership, and this is
1: one way to do it: to get eyes on the page. Well, and one of the advantages of BookBub is when you sign up as a reader, it's very specific. So you're not getting this glut of books you don't care about. You're getting books that fit within your readership. That's right. You're
2: finding those targeted readers that are reading in the genre that you're writing in and that want to see new things and you're offering them a deal. So that is ongoing for me. So I, I have a marketing strategy for the whole year set up where I'm I'm doing a variety of these things every month to keep the awareness up. And then the other thing that I've been, I've been doing lately is uh, I like short-form fiction because I, I just like it as a writer, and I use that as kind of lead generation, and I, I will put those out for free and talk those up so that people will sample my writing. And the, the whole point of that is not to make money
0: on that particular story, but to get people to read my other books. Yeah. I'm a huge, huge fan of short form fiction and it's work. It works a lot better now than it used to mm-hmm. because the thud factor is not so significant. So it used to be that people would judge a book based off how many pages it has, how much of a thud it had on the table when you dropped it. And the price was directly proportional not to the value, not to the quality, but the thud factor. The more thud, the more price. So you get a 400-page book, and it's going to be more expensive than a Mm 200-page book. And that kind of makes sense when you're at the store. It kind of seems fair that more pages make it more expensive. But now in this world where there is no thud, you know, it's the click factor. You know, every length of book has that same click, and so the shorter book's easier for you to write, and it allows you to tell a different kind of story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's you go to the go to Barnes Noble. It's like how is it that all of these stories are between 180 right. pages and 250 pages? It's like they're all exactly that length. Why? Well, it's a kind of an artificial constraint because of the length that people are expecting to read.
2: Exactly. Now that was why I love the novella form. I love there are some stories that. I, that fit 20,000, 30,000 words and that that's all they should be and, and I have many of those that I like to write at that length but in the traditional publishing world novellas were a very tough sell because right. people would look at the small size and think, gee, why am I paying for a kind of a book? It's, right. uh, it's a pamphlet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if this is really uh, something I'm going to take and enjoy and, and digest and so on um, but with, as Thomas said, um, you're not really you're not seeing the thickness of the spine online. You're seeing a front cover, and if the story works in that format,
0: people will like it. Right. So going back to the um, book rollouts versus book launches, another difference for somebody who's traditionally publishing and they're going with a brick and mortar store strategy. The book launch is still pretty important because of that 30-day window. So for those of you who don't know, when you get traditionally published, you have 30 days to prove yourself. And whatever books don't sell in those first 30 days get burned <laughs> or returned to your publisher back, and, yeah. and published. And that's why uh, traditionally published books that have a, are trying to get into stores push it so hard in the first 30 days. Whereas if you're independent and you kind of don't, mo- don't care about stores, it opens up this very different strategy that actually works better for selling books over the long term. Sure. Which, after you have 5, six, seven, 10, 15 books that are selling like that, suddenly you don't have to work your day job quite as hard or as often. The, um,
2: the problem with those kinds of launches for, well, you know, what they call mid-list writers, writers who have you know not broken out into the A-list top best-selling authors but who have been kind of steady over the years... Is that the stores, the physical bookstores, aren't carrying your backlist? They're not carrying They're carrying Stephen King's backlist right. and John Grisham's backlist, but not yours. So that's difficult. Whereas online, if you, I, I found this to be true when I've run a special, for example, in my uh, six-book historical series about Kit Shannon. It's a uh, turn of the century Los Angeles uh, legal thrill, historical legal thriller. When I've run specials on that first book. It, it sells the other books in that series because people see it, they like it, they, they then say, okay, I want to go and buy these other books. So that, that's an advantage. And the other thing is, like you said, it's tough to find purchase in a books physical bookstore if you're not like at the front of the store on a big book display, and then those returns... I mean, they're very, (laughs) it's very depressing. And (laughs) then what happens to that book? It really isn't being pushed by the publisher anymore.
0: Yeah, so what would you say to an author? Because there's a sense where you want to keep trying to sell a book after it comes out. But then there's also a sense that it's run its course. And I see a lot of authors, especially really early authors, where it's their very first book, maybe their only book. And it's two years later, and they're still trying to sell it, and it's just not going anywhere. So, what, what's the point where you're like, all right, this book has run its time, it's time to move on to book two, and book two will help sell book one, but it's like, all right, I'm gonna let book one die, or let it kind of go to rest, or do you always keep trying to promote it?
2: Well, I, I one of the, again, the nice thing about if you're an indie publisher and you have the rights to your book and you have it online, it's there forever if you want it to be. You can revise it, too, if you want to. If you become better, which you probably should be after several books. Um, But my mantra when I teach uh, writers about independent publishing is that it is a matter of productivity. Because the more you have available, the better. But that productivity has to be quality. So you have to have two tracks going. You have to be productive, but you also have to be running on a track that where you're intentional about improving your writing skill. And if you can put those two things together, that gives you the best chance of, of success. And in traditional publishing, too, if that's your goal, you need to be growing as a writer also alongside producing new
0: work. So let's go to the quick tip section. We're almost out of time. So uh, imagine that I'm an author and I've got a book coming out in one month. And I'm, wanting to, and I'm an independent author, and I'm wanting to try this rollout strategy, uh, what's your advice for me? What kind of strategy should I put together? Well, if you're a brand new author, and this
2: is your first book, and you don't have a big readership, so you don't have a list, for example, to, to go out to, your job is to get eyes on the page. And I would advise you, don't think about making a big profit upfront. Think about getting eyes on the page. So you you therefore might want to consider something like the Kindle Select program, which allows you a certain amount of free promotion so that you can get people reading you. So um, anything that you can do to offer the book in a way that is um, induce, inducing people to try you out is is important. So, Obviously, if you're into social media, I would advise you to, well, I would advise you to have a social media presence before you start to try to launch the book. Dig your well before you're thirsty, people. <laughs> exactly. Dig your well before you're thirsty. Because one of the big mistakes that authors make when they, when they jump on social media is, uh, for the first time, and they've got a book, it's, it's a series of buy my book by my book kind of messages, and people don't respond to those. They respond to somebody who's sincere and who engages and who actually is fun to read and not just all about selling the book. So that has to be prepared first.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a great pleasure to be here today, boys. (laughs) So this episode of Novel Marketing has been brought to you by Author Media. If you're looking for a new website to help build that platform, whether you have one book coming out or you're on your 10th book, you can find out more about excellent websites for authors at authormedia.com. You forgot amazing new website.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a baby boomer term. Sorry.
0: We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you have a question, uh, feel free to leave us a question on the, by clicking the Ask a Question button on NovelMarketing.com. And we are accepting for right now five-star reviews on iTunes we for are a accepting limited those, time. yes. So if yes. you'd like to leave us a five-star review, just go to iTunes, do a search for Novel Marketing. And if you'd like this uh, show delivered automatically to your iPhone, yeah, you can do that in iTunes. Just search for Novel Marketing, click the subscribe, and then each new episode will come to your phone automatically. And I hear that there's even a way for Android users to get really? It delivered. Yes. They, wow. Go to novelmarketing.com <laughs> and click on the subscribe button and the Android it. app will load. This has been the Novel
1: Marketing podcast giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between.